Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. As you know, I greeted you with that wonderful greeting in the Eastern churches that we use during the Paschal season. Christ is risen, indeed he is risen. We, of course, have several greetings throughout the year, all of them having to do with Christ. But this time of year, this season, this Paschal season, the season of the radiant resurrection, we greet you and we greet everybody with Christ is risen, indeed he is risen. This, of course, is a paraphrasing from the scripture, from the actual event when the first Christians, especially those women running from the tomb, proclaimed that Christ was risen. And when the first Christians would say that to each other, they would say, yes, indeed he is. We saw him. We saw him. And so we become those people. And that's an important point to remember about everything having to do with Christ, everything we say on this program that has to do with the scriptures and the liturgy. The liturgy takes us into a timelessness about all these events of the Scripture, because the events of Scripture are not just history. They are that, yes, but we don't speak of them in the past, or we shouldn't. In fact, we don't even speak of them just as being about Christ. They are about Christ, yes, but they are our events of our lives, personally and in our world today. We're certainly seeing that in a very poignant way in recent days by some of the tragic events the world has witnessed at the hands of terrorism. As horrific as all this is, and it is horrific, we have to always see these things and all things, both joyous things and tragic things, always, always in the light of faith. What's happening in our world today, what's happening to us, And it's interesting that many of these events are happening during this time of the year, during this particular season, this Paschal season, and just before that, the season of the Holy Week and of Lent, Christ's suffering and now his resurrection. These unfortunate events, these horrific events that are happening, that are creating terror in the world. Of course, that's their intention, to terrorize people, terrorize the world, especially Western civilization. These events enter us into the realization that we truly are living the Christ event. We're living something perhaps much greater than we realize. 
You see, from time immemorial, from the time that Lucifer fell from heaven, became what we know as Satan, the devil, the evil one, there is a great cosmic battle between God and the forces of evil. And that battle is largely about dismantling God's order of creation, how he set things up. Lucifer, out of his jealousy, has tried to dismantle God's order of creation. And he's done it through things that occur on earth, through humanity, different ideologies, behaviors of humanity. From time to time, we see this. We see these great threats to civilization, to God's order. Civilization, especially Western civilization, is the reflection or the incarnation of the kingdom of God on earth. This is why things like Christian Europe is so significant, and that term is very significant, not just Europe, but Christian Europe. Think about it. Think of how Europe has Christianized so much of the world. Now it has to be re-Christianized in many ways, unfortunately, but Europe was developed upon a Christian ethos. Every aspect of Western civilization, especially in Europe, was colored and determined by Christian faith, by the whole Christian spirituality. And so that civilization that reflects the kingdom of God on earth, reflects God's order, is naturally going to be attacked, and has been attacked several times throughout history. And it was even attacked several times by Islam, because Islam wanted to overtake Western civilization. It wanted to go against Christianity. And the devil has used different things, as I mentioned, including, for instance, Islam, to overcome the order of creation. And therefore, it's going to target Western civilization. Now, we're not saying that any Muslim people are per se bad or evil. We're not saying that at all. And so many of them are very admirably devout, admirably devout. How I wish some of that fervor, that zeal that I see among many, many Muslims could also be seen in the same way, to the same degree, in more and more Christians. We're not talking about honest, sincere people. We're talking about something that does not accept God as Trinity, and certainly the second person of Trinity, as being incarnate, being God and man. Islam does not accept that. Now, that opens Islam, as well as other things too, not just Islam, but in our case, especially these past several weeks, we're looking at how Islam opens itself to evil working through it, to dismantle Western civilization. Now, notice what I said there. I said evil working through Islam. Now, evil works through all kinds of things. Evil works through you and me. Yes, you and me. We're sinners, right? That's the devil working through us. So it also works through ideologies. It works through religions. It works through philosophies. It works through all kinds of things, institutions. Evil can work through anything, and it does. Well, in our particular case, we're seeing it working through Islam to dismantle Western civilization. Why? As I mentioned, because Western civilization is a reflection or the incarnation of the order of God, the kingdom of God on earth. You see, whenever we say the Our Father, think about the prayer of the Our Father. The Our Father says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we're asking God to help us cooperate with him to make on earth what is in heaven. That's why God created earth. Earth is supposed to be a reflection of heaven. And so 
what we do on earth is supposed to reflect heaven and its order. So the order of creation is a manifestation of heaven, and civilization, which is ordered, has the color, the tone, the ethos of the heavenly kingdom. And this is what we mean by Christian Europe. It's what we mean by civilization itself. So naturally, evil is going to want to destroy that, dismantle that. It could pick whatever way it wants, and it does pick all kinds of ways and individuals, like you and me, through our sin. But in our day and age, we're seeing it happening through Islam. This is simply just objective observation, objective fact, and it's been going on for a long time in history. And the question for us is, how do we sift through this? How do we handle this? How do we respond to this? What is the solution? How do we discern what to do? What do we make of all this? It's a huge discernment, huge question. Well, the events of these past several weeks, as we are immersed in them exclusively through the liturgy of the church, these events help us to negotiate through this. Because what they tell us is that, first of all, there is a great cosmic battle. There has been since time immemorial. We sometimes forget about that. There is a battle of good versus evil. The evil one, the father of lies, Satan, formerly Lucifer, a fallen angel, who battles against everything that God has done. He does it through things on earth, through we human beings. And the events of this past week are all about that battle. And Christ took on that battle, which we saw especially on Great and Holy Saturday, that great day that lies between Friday, that day that lies between Friday and Sunday, you know, Good Friday, Great Friday, and Pascha Sunday, Easter Sunday, that great day that sometimes is somewhat overlooked, that great day is Saturday where God actually, in the person of Jesus Christ, descends into hell, descends into hell, and breaks the bonds of hell breaks the power of Satan, and then rises up, and with him, all of humanity. So there is a battle that happens, and in the process of that battle, in route to that battle, Christ takes on all of our evil, all the evil in the world, all the sin in the world, and he's going to turn it into something redemptive. He's going to heal all that. He's going to take it with him, absorb it onto him as he was on the cross, is going to forgive it, redeem it, heal it. And so what we've gone through this past week is something that we're experiencing now. It is our experience. It's not just Christ on the cross. It's not to be seen in the past tense, like just an, an historical event that we commemorate each year with a lot of celebration, a lot of delicious Easter foods like we're all enjoying now, especially if you're in the Byzantine Catholic Church. It is more than that. It is our story, our experience. Christ is still on the cross. Christ is still resurrecting. It's an ongoing reality that is timeless, and we enter into all of that. The battle, the sin, the forgiveness, the redemption, the resurrection. When we return, we're going to talk more about the reality of these events of Christ. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, 
we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. As a married couple, how would you like to give each other the gift of love itself? Then this is for you. Hello, I'm Father Thomas J. Loya, and I am inviting husbands and wives to join me and the team of the Tabor Life Institute at St. Basil's Parish in Sterling Heights, Michigan on Saturday, April 30th for Embracing the Mystery, a day of recollection for married couples. Our presentation weds together the sacramental liturgical worldview of Byzantine spirituality and St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body to rediscover the why of marriage so as to know the how of a happy sacramental marriage. We will also integrate what goes on in church with what should go on in our homes. For information and to register, visit TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Or call 708-645-0762. 708-645-0762. For Embracing the Mystery, a day of recollection for married couples. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Oyo, your host. And again, I say to you over and over again, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. Although we are talking about the events of this past week, this suffering and death and resurrection of Christ as being our own, especially in terms of world events, but also in our personal lives. Nonetheless, the last word is always going to be God, God's word, redemption. A great example is Today. Today is Thomas Sunday in the calendar of the church, East and West, especially on the Gregorian calendar. And what's interesting about Thomas Sunday, East and West, is that it carries with it a similar kind of theme in both lungs of the church, especially in recent years, after St. John Paul II in particular, because he declared the Sunday after Easter to be Divine Mercy Sunday. And there is an icon, an image for Divine Mercy Sunday in the Western Church. That icon, that image, it's an image of Christ, is remarkably similar to the ancient icon of St. Thomas, where Christ appears to Thomas in the upper room. And also, there was a remarkable similarity to the theme in the Eastern Long of the Church of this Thomas Sunday, which is also a theme of mercy. Let's look at some of the liturgical texts for this Sunday in the Byzantine Catholic Church. This is some of the verses that we sing and pray this Sunday. You did not deem him unworthy for his lack of faith, but in your goodness, O Lord, you confirmed his faith 
by showing him your pure side and the wounds in your hands and feet. He touched them, and when he saw you, he confessed you to be neither an abstract God nor merely human. And he cried out, My Lord and my God, glory to you. How wonderful is the doubt of Thomas. It brought the hearts of believers to the knowledge of God. Therefore he cried out with fear, My Lord and my God, glory to you. Now notice the first line here. It says, Jesus Christ did not deem Thomas unworthy for his lack of faith. Now, a lot of times Thomas gets a bad rap. I have to come to his defense because I have the same name as his. They're always knocking my patronal saint, Thomas, because <laughs> my name is Thomas, of course. And yes, Thomas did doubt. But as it says in the liturgy, and again, our point today in this program is how the liturgy draws us into the reality of the scriptures. And the reality of the scripture, especially the reality of Jesus Christ, and all that he went through, especially these last several weeks, is what we're experiencing on a global level and on a personal level. So it's all about reality here. What is real? This Christ event is real. And we're living it globally and personally in every aspect, from the suffering, the death, but also the triumph. So what Christ is doing is he's showing how he, as God, alone can take the worst thing, even Thomas's doubt, which we look at as being bad. Gee, how dare Thomas doubt? Doubting Thomas, we call him. He takes that and he uses it for good. He turns it into an occasion for faith. And therefore, once again, it is really about our coming to faith, where our doubts are to be turned into belief. No matter how small or how large, just as we're seeing in the world today. may have a lot of doubt as to what kind of a God allows things to happen, like terror attacks and death and war and torture and hate. What kind of a God allows that? Should we even believe in God? Should we even go to church anymore? Well, look at Thomas. Look at the events of this past week and of now, these Christ events, and we see that God allows bad things, what we would call bad things, so as to bring about through them, and only through them, a triumph. Now, only God can do that. And that's why we celebrate with such exuberance the resurrection. Because that's what it's all about. It's all about God taking the worst thing, the worst thing, and turning it into triumph. That's the magic of our faith. Otherwise, we'd be left to nothing but just despair. Or like Thomas, just unbelief, just doubt. Then where do you go from there? The liturgical texts say, it brought the hearts of believers to the knowledge of God. It brought the hearts of believers to the knowledge of God. Now that, that means you and me. But this text from the liturgy, the Byzantine church, was written centuries ago. Yet it's talking about us, just as Thomas is us. It's not just St. Thomas, a history lesson. It's us. It is we who have to allow our doubt to be turned into faith by trusting that the resurrected Christ really has resurrected. It really has triumphed over the worst thing, death. So why should we doubt anything? I know we have our moments, and we can be allowed our moments of doubt, even sometimes of being on the brink of despair. But just moments. We cannot prolong them, because we have the example here, especially today, of Thomas and Christ. Now, 
The liturgical texts also say this. We're going to look at a couple of these verses here and there. The disciple touched you with his hand and discovered both your divinity and humanity. Filled with fear, he cried out in faith, My Lord and my God, glory to you. Now, there's another example. Thomas, his doubting, permitted him to then come to not only the knowledge of faith in Christ, but also the acknowledgement of who Christ is. And here we, know, here we have that other departure with Islam and a lot of other religions and ideologies. The departure is this, that only in Christianity can God, who is inaccessible, immeasurable, infinite, pure, indescribable, only so great and transcendent a God, become at the same time a human being while remaining God. See, that's the catch, while remaining God. Christ's incarnation was not a movement from one place to the other or a separation, a compartmentalization. It was one person, two natures, fully God and fully man. And that makes all the difference in the world. And it comes through that moment between Thomas and Christ in the upper room. And that's why the liturgy makes a point to say, the disciple touched you with his hand and discovered both your divinity and humanity. Why would that be important? Why would we sing that in church? And we only get to see that in church, which is why it's so important to be at the services. That's why church is so important, because we hear and experience and do things we won't experience and do or say anywhere else on earth. And here, we say with our own lips during the liturgy, this very profound reality that Christ is both divine and human. Why is that so significant? It's because if God did not take on human nature, suffer and die, defeat the bonds of death, and rise, we could never be saved. We could never enter heaven. Furthermore, if God took on our nature, that means that our nature has a very, very, very special significance to it. In fact, it's so special, he literally took it with him and mounted it on the throne of God in heaven. If we believe that, that brings up the question then, how do we treat human nature? In other words, how do we treat the human person? Can we terrorize them? Can we dominate them, hurt them, torture them, insult them, cut their heads off, kill them, malign them, abuse them? No. No. If we see the human person as being made in the image and likeness of God, if we see this very nature that we are, this human nature, was assumed, taken on by God himself and raised to the highest level, the only sensible and honest response to that is to always love and respect that nature, meaning we love and respect one another. This is why to acclaim and to proclaim that this Jesus Christ was both God and man, God and man, has to be both, both and. Why it's so significant. It makes all the difference in the world, literally, whether we are a lover or a terrorist. Yes, it does actually come down to that great a contrast. It makes all the difference in the world what we believe and whether we believe what is true. And during these days of Lent, Holy Week, the week of the bridegroom, and now this bright week, these events of Christ, the high point of his earthly life, as we enter into these events, we are entering into reality, the reality of God, his order of creation, the reality of life, and above all, our own reality. 
which is the Christ event, the Christ reality, from suffering to the redemption of suffering to salvation. And this is why, hopefully, we too, on this day of Thomas Sunday, Divine Mercy in the Western Church, and ever after, will proclaim as Thomas did, my Lord and my God. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes, Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.